In this episode, Ryan and I discussed the infinite banking concept compared to what? We had fun. Hope you do too. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And I'm your co-host, Ryan Griggs. And um, we're excited. I'm excited. You excited? I am. What are we talking about today? You know what? We just had a, a lengthy conversation about what we were going to talk about. So we should have list. it again. <laughs> <laughs> so we scrapped the list. and uh, This is our show. We can do what we want. That's right. You're the banker. The banker can do whatever he oh. wants. Okay, so we're going to talk. We're we're going to talk today about third party capital, and uh, really, um, you know, the infinite banking concept compared to what? Yeah, right. We're, but we're going to specifically talk about third party capital and all the machinations that exist out in the big wide world. Mm-hmm. There's so many ways to do things um, as far as accessing capital, right? And quite often, it's like when it comes to the infinite banking concept and you're speaking with someone it's like well man i can get in i I can go borrow money at three percent or four percent or five percent or they never want to talk about the 29 percent credit card balance that they're carrying and have been carrying for 20 years right right um or the truckload of dollars they're losing on the mortgage well but it's a you know, four percent, three percent, four percent. So this is how this came up, right? So different people <laughs> will ask the, and they're good questions. Not saying it's a bad question, but you know, they're saying, well, if I could take a policy loan at five from the life insurance company, but the auto lender is going to give me the car at two percent or zero or what, whatever yeah. it is, and we'll suppose for the sake of argument that these are genuine numbers, right? They're not just smuggling the interest cost from the rate to the price, right? <laughs> so we'll suppose they're not doing that. Probably are. But it, let's <laughs> stack the deck against That's the us, only right? way you can get to 0% interest or 1.999. Yeah, free <laughs> money. I wonder how that happened. Yeah. Uh, so hey, the ECB just lowered interest rates to zero. All of Switzerland's – here we are in, what is this, September? September, September 2019. All of Switzerland – the entire bond portfolio of the Swiss government – all of them are negative. Negative. Negative yielding. Well, uh, Munchen, Munchen, Munchausen, yeah, whatever. by proxy. Um, the uh, Steve guy, you know, the. Yeah, the Steve new, Munchen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Goldman Secretary. Sachs, we rule the world, Goldman Sachs, ex president, right? Mm-hmm. They're, he's talking about throwing out a 50 year bond. The, the U.S. Why stop there? The government needs a 50-year bond. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a demand for 50-year bonds. James, James Grant mentioned <laughs> that, I, that it's being thrown around again in the U.K., the idea of a release of a perpetual bond. Yeah. Wait. No what? maturity. Right. Just Did, didn't forever. the Romans have that? Just give us money forever. At no cost. <laughs> <laughs> or next to no cost. Okay, so there's okay. all these. There's a, can I get you know why should I use, why should I do IBC? Is it a reason to not do IBC? Because there's what ostensibly could be cheaper money relative to a policy loan, right? And so that's on the on the lending side. Then there's the growth side. You know, is it because so again, supposing it's true that you can actually get, say, 1% a month or you know, Bernie Madoff-style numbers, supposing all the financial entertainment about the alleged 
returns on average you can get in the stock market. Supposing that's all true, you know, supposing the growth really is better, should I should is that a reason to not do IBC? You know, shouldn't I just be investing? Um, so compared to what? And I think that's actually really the problem is that we don't know what to compare IBC to. And so many of the comparisons that people end up using uh, are apples to oranges comparisons. No, no question. Well, even in the infinite banking world, you you get into a lot of that apples to oranges mm-hmm. comparisons. But, okay, so we have the growth side. You know, what if I can really go earn 12% year over year for 30 straight years and forever? Um that's one side of it. The other side is the cost of capital, right? Mm-hmm. So why should I borrow money from the life insurance company? You said at five, right, which is most of the companies we work with is right at five or a little over or a little under. But there are lots of life insurance companies out there that they have fixed interest rate, fixed loan rates at seven, eight, nine. Mm-hmm. Right? So on one side, there is a cost of capital. Shouldn't I use a third-party lender's money if I can get it? for free or zero or next to zero Mm -hmm. compared to accessing the life insurance company's money at five or more one side and then the other is well i can go get a 12 percent rate of return or whatever Mm -hmm. i mean so when you compare it to what and and i I completely agree with you most people um i don't want to say most people but it is very difficult to compare the infinite banking concept what we're doing and then what you can do with life insurance structured this way with all the other options or choices out there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to, to, to compare um, apples to apples. But, okay, so it's hard. What do, how, do, how, do we, how do we fix that? You know, what do, what do we do? I mean, it, it centers in our, in our thinking. Yeah. You know, and how we even think about capital formation, capital accumulation, access to capital, and then um, deploying the capital in all the choices that exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then, you know, so let's, let's, so let's just break it down. Yeah. You know? So Nelson used to say, you know, it's all about how you think, mm-hmm. rethink your thinking. And that's why I harp so much on capital, right? What is the infinite banking concept? In my framework and my view, it is the optimal method to use and accumulate capital. The optimal method to use and accumulate capital. So we're capitalizing, you could say. We're building capital. Uh, the IBC is a capital strategy. That um, all falls under that umbrella. Now, with that in that frame, now we can put the other things, right? So is, for example, a tax-qualified plan a capital strategy? No. Tax-qualified plan is a form of investing, right? Method of investing a very close to the government method of investing. Uh, Well, it's close to the government because they created that exemption. Right. Or allowance. Right. And so there's other, okay, so where would a auto loan fit relative to the infinite banking concept? Well, an auto loan is just a method of using somebody else's capital, right? And then... So again, IBC, a method of using and accumulating your own capital, right? So, and I've, I've heard you say this before in the past too, and I've told people, it's like, you know, bankers do business with other bankers all the time. Every day. All the time. <laughs> so th- there's no reason that you can't be your own banker 
participate in infinite banking, building and accumulating your own capital in the optimal method and fashion, right? And also then go use, as we're saying, for the sake of argument, the cheaper money, right? The allegedly 2% auto loan or the whatever else it might be, right? In other words, it doesn't hurt to be fully capitalized, fully collateralized, so that if something were to happen to that loan, which, you know, there's never, like you say, there's never a problem until there's a problem, but when there's a problem, might need a solution. Right. So when there's a problem and you're talking about banks and bankers and banking and lending and repaying, there's going to, you know, their assets are going to swap hands yeah. when it goes bad. That liquidity trap sets off. <laughs> All right. People well, look, don't have access to capital because they don't have a strategy to accumulate down. <clears throat> yeah, no question. In which, that, you know, uh, proper capital formation. Yeah. So um, with, with that in the background, though, a thing that comes up a lot is, well, shouldn't I do a HELOC? Oh, that's can just I, recent. Oh, my gosh. Can I, I, I'm going to get into a HELOC. I'm going to get out of my mortgage. I'm going to go do a HELOC. Well, let, let's just bring all my income through the HELOC. Yeah, well, shouldn't I do that with infinite banking anyway? I mean, you know, it's like, listen. Well, all right. For me, all right, break it down simply for me. Let's start. Everything you purchase is financed, right? Whether you formally finance it with third-party lending or you pay cash, it's being financed, mm -hmm. all right? And now we have to um, at least agree or be aware that capital has a cost, all right? Okay, so now let's just get right into financing current modern times. You know, I can go finance a new car, and, and we, my wife and I, we just purchased mm -hmm. a new car, you know, a couple of months ago. Did we, you use a policy loan? Well, we can talk about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we could talk about that. Um, but then auto, I mean, not auto, uh, you know, no, no, there are new cars, right? New car and then pre-owned cars. Mm -hmm. Right. And now I think the interest rate that, that was offered mm -hmm. when, whenever we purchased the new car was, <clears throat> um, three something, mm -hmm. 3.79. Right. And. And to directly answer your question, I did use a partial policy loan because hmm. I did finance the down payment mm. through a policy loan, and I financed the rest of that cost <laughs> with that third-party lender's money. Hmm. But rest assured, there's enough cash value in the policy that we financed the part, the down payment. We could have written a check for the car. Mm -hmm. All right, so. Um, and I know. Listen, Nelson. Listen, listen. You saying you had the op, you had the the authority to choose which <laughs> method of financing you preferred, and I had the ability to choose. And now, um, what's more important, the ability to pay your house off, or actually paying your house off? Mm. I don't know. The circumstances are different in all of our cases. Mm. All right. I know it's important if something goes wrong and the bankers show up, the third-party lenders, whomever they are, and they're wanting to call notes or loans or mm -hmm. seize assets, um, I could just say, no, thank you. Get out mm -hmm. of my office. All right. When I was growing up, my dad, you know, God rest his soul, um, great guy. I wish you all could have met him because you would have liked him, I think. Um, he used to say when he was young, he said, James, when I was young, I had to go to the banker with my hat in my hand, and I had to ask them permission. Mm -hmm. right, so he graduated very early but in his life, but it, it was about 13 years ago, right? And so about 
probably 25 years ago. I'm a, I'm a little bit older, maybe not even that long. Early when he was young, James, I had to go to the banker with my hat in my hand because I had to ask them, right? Later in his life, God, I love him, right? He said the bankers came to him with their hats in their hand. Mm. I don't know. Who who do you want to be holding the hat? Mm. You or them. So my, my point is this, that, yep, we used a, a policy loan for the a down payment on the car. Yeah, you used a mix. Right. Their money, I, some of the life insurance company's money. And I could do whatever I wanted, and it was by demand, right? I mean, I, w- I wasn't demanding at the dealer, but mm-hmm. damn near. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what I want. And they went out and got it. Great dealership, you know. Yeah. Tier one treatment. Mm-hmm. Oh, here, Mrs. Nethery and whatever. And, you know, here's, you, you sign all this stuff. Here's the rate. Sign all this stuff. Do you want to pay anything down? Or I don't even know if they asked that question. I told them this is what I'm going to do and this is what I want. And they delivered. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my wife's happy. She's driving what she wants, the color, everything. And uh, she has a monthly payment, not me. (laughs) 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 And part of it's going to the third-party lender. I don't even know what bank it was. Mm. You know, I could care less. And part of it's going to the life insurance. Mm -hmm. The same way we – well, no. I was going to say the same. When you want to repay that policy loan, they'll get their – they'll get the interest. They'll get the – She better make – she better not make late payments. The, you know. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> but we talk about cars. At three point something percent interest on a new car, you cannot go buy a pre-owned car for three point something percent. And if we really think about it, they're they're lending money that didn't exist anyway. Mm-hmm. What does the capital really cost them? Now, mathematically, am I paying more or less interest if I use a third party lender's money at three point eight or whatever it was? Mathematically. I'm paying less money than, or on the obverse, I'm paying more interest to the life insurance company. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Mathematically, that numerically, you know, the cheapest cost of capital is numerically the yeah. cheapest cost of capital. Mm-hmm. Does that mean it's the right thing to do every time, all day long? No. There's other times, too, and I know we didn't really talk about this, but the last real estate deal that I did, mm-hmm. All right. Um, and and we got to go back a few years. And back then, there was a lot of noise in the infinite banking world about, oh, this company doesn't allow first-year policy loans, or that company doesn't allow first-year policy loans. You know what? Uh, once a policy is issued, it's a unilateral contract. It's <laughs> Einbahnstrasse. It's a one-way street. Mm-hmm. Right? So if I have a contract... And the company says they don't allow first-year loan. Maybe that's in the contract. They don't allow first-year policy loans. Hmm. Can I just take that contract right down to the bank if I have an <laughs> educated banker and say, look at all this capital right here that I don't want to interrupt the compounding growth within this policy. How much will you loan me against that policy? All right. And so I did that on purpose. You know, I bought a, a piece. We bought a piece of real estate and um, used policy loans to do it, and I used a first-year policy to do it with a company who does not like first-year policy loans. And I had conversations with Nelson, and you know, and he knew what I was doing, and we talked about it. And my, my uh, 
myself, you know, I'm thinking, well, this will be the greatest thing ever, you know, to, to demonstrate that you can use a policy in the first year, even if the company doesn't allow a first year policy loan. Then I took the opportunity to educate my young banker because my previous banker for 40 years had died. So I was orphaned. So the young man, great young man comes in and he's like, I'm your new banker. And I'm like, how long have you been doing this? He said, oh, 12 years. He looked 30 and I'm like questioning. He's a great guy. <laughs> and I've told him all this, right? And he listens to the podcast too. So hello, Bobby. <laughs> um, and so, you know, Nelson's like going along. He's like, yeah, yeah, you could do all that. Makes sense. I understand why you're doing it. But, and so I did it. All right. So we purchased the real estate as cash. And that was, that's an interesting story in and of itself. And mm-hmm. I didn't really mean to talk about it all right here. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good example of what, of how you can use capital you own. Well, and it gets better. Collateralize <clears throat> it with the life insurance company collateralize it with the conventional banker it shoes when's the last time you've been in a position that it's your way or the highway and that where we all want to be when it comes to money and everything else i'm going to do things my way i truly don't even think it's on people's radar like that's possible yeah i mean you get the you get the credit card offers in the mail the you know the lender tells you what they're willing to offer and it's just kind of assumed that this is the only way to do it. And you wake up, and you've got 10 years of contributions to an IRA or a 401k, and you're a young person. You can't access more than half of that or $50,000 to a loan, or it's going to be penalized. Of course, it's going to be taxed. It's always going to be taxed, and it always goes back to the question, would you rather pay taxes in a known bracket or an unknown bracket? And I'm not advocating that you start the infinite banking concept by making withdrawals from your qualified plans. That's not me. Though it's possible. It is possible. Um, While everybody's contributing to their 401K and their IRA, then we're dependent upon third-party lenders. I mean, that's the norm. So I want to get the cheapest rate possible, preferably mm-hmm. zero, which does not exist naturally yeah. on the face of the earth. That's why we're in this situation. That's so good. It's the, the, and Nelson talks about this in Becoming Your Own Banker, about uh, in the part about the golden rule, right? He who has the gold makes the rules. Uh and that is the that is what has happened over time. Individuals, and I think there's really something that you could do, uh, like academically here. I think this could actually be, like, laid out very specifically. But over time, people's control, their, the scope and quality of their control over capital has been crushed, diminished. On and purpose. So the kind the the individual's level of purchasing power, literally the the ability they have to go out and purchase, right? Their power to acquire things, which is their control over capital, right? Part of it. Capital yeah. is that that's your it represents your ability to purchase, right? So as as people are squeezed on their control of capital, their their ability to mobilize resources has diminished and it's been concentrated in the hands of the, uh, the politically connected and elite. Uh and so no wonder the rest of us are looking around for scraps. You the know? political elite that's connected to the bankers. Right, right. Yeah. So oh, that's yeah. why we're in a position where, oh, I got to you know, make sure that the, this, you know, four, is it four and a half or is it four and a quarter? Like what's the, 
you know, that, that's why we're in this position where we have to be so mindful of the cost of money is because we don't have much control over it to begin with. And that's really what we're reversing. And I think that for most people, like for people who have done infinite banking for a while, they're like, yeah, who cares about the interest rates, right? You're just, I do not care, right? And I tried to communicate this to a, uh, someone who was considering the infinite banking concept. I was like, you know, this is all great. And, you know, did the spreadsheet, wall of Four numbers. pages. Oh, my gosh. Four right? years. Yeah. As like, you know, this is fine. And I'm sure you're going <laughs> to validly demonstrate what Nelson's already demonstrated in that way. And that's good. Maybe, um, you know, some people are analytical. I don't want to be hard on them, but you can spend a lot of time in front of a computer attempting to prove something to yourself that maybe has already been done, right? Um, so I try to communicate to them, look, you know, at the, as we get down the road, five, 10 years down the line, you're just not going to care. You're not going to want to deal with it. it, it, it I could see a, a scenario where it would be like a little offensive that someone's going to ask <laughs> or, or require your uh, an application and uh, inspect your character. It's like, excuse me. Two years. How tax about we returns? don't and say we didn't? Right. Can I get all your K ones? Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, it, you, in a sense, you get to choose. You know, you, you have the privilege to be bothered by that <laughs> because, <laughs> because you have your own capital. Right? The rest of us have to put up with it. Here, let me entertain you. Yes, I'll give you these. Are they right? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's, let's talk about the cars for a minute or continue. You know, the new car, whatever the interest rate is um, or isn't, you know, zero and 1.99 doesn't really exist unless you're in Switzerland or the ECB. Right. <laughs> Right in the year in Europe, uh, but it, it's like that's a big deal. It, that's mm. not really a big deal. I mean, I'm printing the money out of thin air anyway. Does it matter what interest rate I put on there? I'm winning anyway, right? Okay, and we all know that the cost of the finance charge, the cost of whatever it is you're purchasing, if it's at zero or one point nine nine, it is built into the item that you're purchasing. Yeah period even though they won't lower the price if you pay cash no it's either this that's the price and you can either finance it at zero percent or well there should probably be a parkinson's law discussion about why you're buying a new car anyway well maybe i wanted one okay well then that it's good to be aware of that going in it's like okay if we're gonna go out and we're gonna spend well then good to keep the alternatives in mind just yeah yeah in case. no look parkinson needs to be whooped every day yeah no question yeah the her new car does have leather and seat it's a nice car seat coolers right. and all of that and, <laughs> and i don't care you know i mean how many how many cars is one going to drive over their lifetime 15 20 what wow. if it huh wow well, it depends on how long you live and when you started driving. I get all that. Yeah. <laughs> let's say let's, a low-end number. Most people are going to purchase. Um, I'm, I'm remember, trying to think back on the examples that I've used on automobile oh. purchases. When you ask somebody. I think it's like every five years. <clears throat> okay. Are you married? No. Nope. No. Nope. Is a listener married? Okay. Does your wife get a new car every five years too? You get one every five years, and you're buying a car every two and a half years. How long you been driving? 
20 years? How long are you going to continue to drive? You do the math. Mm-hmm. You figure out how many cars you're going to purchase. Just mm-hmm. be honest with yourself. Yeah, and don't, oh, well, only my uncle gave me the first car. You know, I had to buy the second car, but it was a beater, so I only gave 1200 or 1500 Well, you know, the last car you buy is probably going to be fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000. I don't know. I mean, even practicing Parkinson's <laughs> law, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, so I just remember the average family from the work that I've done in the past, the average family will spend well over a million dollars just purchasing a car, mm. not the upkeep, not the insurance, not the maintenance, just financing an automobile. They'll spend over a million dollars for the privilege of driving. Mm-hmm. Now, if you think about it, if I spend a million dollars over my lifetime just driving cars, well, how much of that do I want to finance myself? How much of that do I want to recapture? Or how much of that equivalent do I want to recapture? Mm-hmm. You know, as much as possible. And and maybe I only learned about the infinite banking concept and I'm 30 or 40 or 50 years old. Okay, well, I'm not going to have the opportunity to capture the whole million dollars. I'll be okay capturing 500000 <laughs> Okay, into entities that I own and control mm-hmm. that are accessible tax-free passable tax-free the net death benefit to the next generation or two yeah what's wrong with that oh wait i got to be able to get past the cost of capital and the Mm -hmm. interest rate from the third-party lender and then i've got to be able to realistically get past the internal rate of return right well what 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 do i mean when i say get past that let's look at the automobile you can't go borrow money at zero percent unless it's an offer a gimmick a built-in Scheme. Off, yeah, scheme. All right, zero percent on the credit cards for a time being, for a time period, and then they're going to go to 24, 22, 19, 29 percent plus all the other fees mm-hmm. that, in essence, take that interest rate up. Mm-hmm. And so, well, yeah, I'm buying a new car at, at three or four percent, um, and I'm financing my credit cards, and I only carry a 10, 15, 30 thousand dollar balance, whatever it may be, and then, and then. But I'm, I'm going to get hung up on paying the life insurance company that I partially own mm-hmm. because I'm a, using a mutual company. I'm going to get hung up on paying them 5%. All right. Okay. Yeah, well, that's a problem that centers in the thinking. Yeah. Or the inability or the lack of properly classifying what's going on. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think, the, I think often people get caught up in, in these comparisons without – backing up to what what it is we're actually doing the capital accumulation and use piece yeah no question because the infinite banking concept is so much more than just financing everything you do for a purchase or everything you purchase yeah um it's much more than that and look i'm i'm only going to finance a car i think my limit to drop dead limit is five years Mm. right on a new car because it was so expensive (laughs) kidding (laughs) um so the time frame the time period of comparison has to be equal as well so if we're going to finance one car with the third party lender's money and i'm going to finance one car with a brand new policy yeah um the third party lender is going to look you know so much better yeah because mathematically that's the lesser cost of capital in that in time that period. time frame let's blow that up for a minute so people should hear this like when 
others out there, like the guys online who want to talk about IUL or UL and why these are be- why they perf- quote unquote perform better than whole life. It's across the board. Any critics of whole life, and even those who get it, who are trying to go through that numerical analysis to prove it to themselves, you want to watch out for the shortening of the time frame. Right, the illustrations in becoming your own banker cover the entire the person's entire life right nelson assumes that these individuals pass away at certain ages right so he's looking at the lifetime of the individual an analysis that goes 48 time periods doesn't cut it right well no you look and in part three Mm -hmm. nelson even says yeah other methods of accumulating capital like method d the cd method where we're talking about the again the cars ways of financing the use of a car we've got methods a through d Method D is the CD method. Method E is the IBC method. And there's a, I forget the page number, but a nice illustration where he compares the performance of the two. Mm-hmm. And there's a higher balance in the CDs up to year 14. And then after year 14, the cash value in IBC starts to run away with it. Uh, that dynamic takes place across the board, right? You su- swap out CD for any other kind of asset in which you might build capital, and that whether you borrow against it or you liquidate it to use it, whatever, swap that out for whatever it might be, assume whatever interest rate you want, it'll it'll perform better in the initial years, and then IBC is going to run away with it, right? And on the other side of things, if we're looking at, okay, if we're worried about the cost part rather than the growth part, if we're concerned that a policy loan, a policy loan is genuinely more expensive, we're going to lose more money with a policy loan than we will with a conventional instrument. And if the concern is, well, I probably shouldn't do IBC because I'll lose more money paying interest than I would if I just financed with outside lenders, back up a second and recall that, okay, that might look better for one, two, three, four time periods, whatever it is, however many months or years, right? Eventually though, if you stretch the analysis all the way to its final conclusion and you incorporate all of the future growth and cash value that will come, so long as you pay the premium, then the analysis will look different. Your result will change. The IBC method will virtually always run away with it. You know, you mentioned that, uh, and I liked it. So let's look at it. Let's consider what an IUL illustration would look like because they illustrate, you know, like every other life insurance illustration, they illustrate over the longevity of mm-hmm. someone's life, right? So if you if you compare a, a, a universal life illustration with a whole life illustration, now we're only talking about the accumulation side of this base of our conversation which is the cost of capital and then the accumulation or the internal rate of return the internal rate of return on a universal life illustration is always going to look better and illustrate higher than a whole life illustration right now then we have to get to the uh, accuracy of those illustrations right but let's just say we're comparing a universal life policy with a whole life policy and we're going to finance a car early or some kind of a major purchase early in both of those policies all right. The time period on the universal life looking better is going to be longer than the CD. Right. So the CD, in your example, in mm-hmm. Nelson's example, it may look really good for 14 years. And then the whole life it, uh, is, policy is going to outtake it, overcome mm-hmm. it, and just 
crush thrash it. it. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Well, the universal life illustration is going to do about the same thing because we're using it. We're illustrating a higher rate of return. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so the the universal life is going to illustrate better than the whole life. So it's already going to be ahead. It may be now. I'm just saying it's going to illustrate better through the whole time period. Um, and when we go out to the end of that time period, like to the latter third of that time period, Nelson demonstrates his in most of his illustrations that the policyholder, the insurer, dies at the end of age 85. That's a full long life, yeah. right? Or you know, relatively. Okay, the universal life illustration, what is it really going to do all the way through age 85, right? And the illustration is going to, in my opinion, it's going to deliver disappointment because it is not going to perform the way it's illustrated. And you're not going to see that until you get further out. Way out there probably right past your insurability and it's too late to correct it. Okay. But my point here is that it will outperform even in reality. Okay. We're comparing whole life, universal life, and now we're going to go make a major purchase like an automobile. So the time period that it takes for the whole life to actually overcome the universal life policy is going to be longer than the 14 year time period when you Mm. compare CDs to whole life. But then the caveat or the continuation of that, the universal life policy is never going to illustrate less than the whole life. Mm-hmm. Then it comes into reality of what is really going to happen with that universal or what are the high probabilities of occurrence to that universal life policy out there in the latter years of someone's life it's not going to perform like the whole life does because of the construct which we have beat to death i don't know how many times Mm -hmm. the internal rising cost of insurance Mm -hmm. that you cannot avoid the only way that that's competent the internal cost of insurance in a universal life policy goes up over your whole lifetime exponentially Yep, and the only way you can correct that is to pay higher premium and or use the account values to subsidize the increasing cost of the insurance. Or sell off some death benefit, or a combination of all three. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so the point that I just wanted to make is universal life is going to illustrate better than the whole life, but in actuality, if we're using these two particular entities to finance major purchases, it will still potentially take a longer time period for the whole life to actually overtake the universal life um, policy. But at the end, the and, 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 and let me say that that would be very hard to illustrate because there's not a financial guru on the face of the planet that's going to illustrate a universal life policy with a guaranteed lapse in the future <laughs> on the non-guaranteed side of the ledger. Right? Yeah. So then, then it really gets back to, oh, somebody's playing games with numbers on the page. Or... You know, here we'll justify that by lowering the death benefit in the future. We'll get the cash value and the death benefit closer to the corridor that's required. Um, And I might have gone a little bit too far down that, but I'm just saying um, we're comparing it to what? Mm -hmm. So Nelson compared it to a CD. Now we're just talking about comparing it to a universal life policy. And the, the... 
an important point is keeping the time periods the same. You know, there are really only five functions in a future value calculation, which is not a math class. I get it. Present value, future value, payment, the expected rate of return, and the time period. Mm -hmm. And if you change any of those in a comparison, you've changed the apples to apples comparison. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you found that beneficial because he's not really impressed (laughs) (laughs) no it's good i mean that's all good i it is good it's good stuff uh and and it is the case that i think a lot of people have a like one of nelson's main rules right think long range Mm -hmm. and they're they're looking at because of the nature of these purchases like the car where you you would think a three to five year repayment okay well let's look at that a number of years Mm -hmm. and all we're saying is no no Look over the course of your lifetime, because by the way, that car ain't going to be the only thing you're going to buy. Oh, look! You want to talk cherry picking time frames? Mm. <clears throat> All right, let's look at financing an automobile for five years in the 35th year of a life insurance yeah. policy. All right, uh-huh. it's hands down. I don't care what you want to compare it with. I'm winning. Mm-hmm. All right, but okay. So the automobiles, the low or no interest rate, is a form of marketing. It's another form of a sinking fund method. Um, which is that's not even true the the cost of the capital is in the item that's being purchased in the purchase price and and, you know nelson we've had many conversations about this um back in the day i think prior to 2009 you know gmac gmac general Mm. motors acceptance Mm. corporation right uh when when general motors you know went in got into financial trouble and had to have a bailout right they sold off their most profitable arm which was gmac the financing yeah so now you tell me how can that be the most profitable arm of an organization mm. at zero percent <laughs> right which now has become ally bank mm. right oh okay so they same thing on wall street and the banking they just repackage get in trouble get a bailout with your money right repackage Make a lot of money, get in trouble, get a bailout with your money, and do it again and again and again. <clears throat> okay. Now, we've, we've talked about new cars. Zero percent, another form of marketing. Doesn't exist. Now, let's go, let's talk about pre-owned. You know, the sub-prime market or the, or the pre-owned automobile market. And then within that pre-owned automobile world, the financing options that are available there. And, you know, the sub-prime market, the... I don't know what the credit scores are required to be before you're out of subprime, maybe in your four or 500 credit scores. I don't know. But you look at the subprime market. These automobile dealerships are financing paper that they would not have financed eight, nine, and 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? <clears throat> they required previously a higher credit score or income to debt ratio. And now all of those are coming down. And think about what's going on. All right, across the world, across the face of this planet, right? Um, and just when it comes to the automobile world in the subprime market, you know, years ago, just a few years ago, we had the hedge funds coming in. They're buying up all the paper that they can. They're buying up all the paper they can from pre-owned automobile sales, mm-hmm. right? So I'm just saying the subprime market's getting more and more competitive. They started at first, uh, the hedge funds buying all the paper, and then the um, – major automobile manufacturers and their financing arm they're lowering their standards and financing automobiles i wonder why all of that is going on and now um 
Okay. That's just one example. The zero percent interest. You're not going to get zero or low percent financing on pre-owned. You talk about Parkinson's law, which we all have to confront and overcome daily. So now, let's say I've overcome Parkinson's law and want to buy a pre-owned automobile. Not wore out. I just don't want to lose that first 20% when I drive it off the lot. All right. Um, can I get a pre-owned automobile financed at five or four? I've driven the same car for 11 years, so I don't I don't know yet. You're mastering Parkinson's law. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> um but that that's a major purchase, right? And then we get into um, homes, right? Primary residence. We can get into mortgages. That's a, another. I mean, that's a uh, one of the the largest things that any of us are going to finance in our lifetime is yeah. our home. That's a, and that's a, this raises a good question. You know, people need to be thinking when it comes to these major points in life. Where you're getting married, you're having kids, you're buying a house, moving out of state, whatever, changing jobs, whatever it might be. A major question that needs to be on your mind, front and center, especially in those major transition periods, is where are you building capital? You know, is it in your house? Is it in the stock market? Um, are you building capital? Are you saving at all? Right? It's kind of, are you building capital presupposes that you're saving. So where are you doing that? Right? And then, and then. Again, theme of the episode compared to what? Well, w- why? Which is better? You know, people have, we're starting to get into the home discussion. We've talked about uh, HELOCs before, home equity line of credit. Well, is a HELOC good to do? Well, compared to what? Compared to a mortgage? Sure. The method of allocation of the interest charges is better in a HELOC than it is in a mortgage. You'll, you'll be, you'll lose less in a HELOC than you will with a, a mortgage. Okay, fine. But keep going compared to a house can still burn down. You're still going to be, you're, I mean, do you really own it anyway? I mean, you're going to owe property tax, right? <laughs> is this rent to the government? Uh, it, sharecropper. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it'll appreciate and it'll depreciate, right? It, uh, there will be some sort of upper limit. Um, your capital won't grow forever there. When, when you do decide that you need access to that capital, there's going to be certain hoops to jump through since you don't have a contractual right to the equity in your home. Uh, all you can do, you can sell it. You got to find a buyer, do that. But it, short of liquidating where you sleep in order to access that equity, to mobilize the financial value in that asset, you've got to get somebody else's permission which means you're gonna apply, there's gonna be a loan to value restriction, all sorts of documentation, all the time involved, um, not to mention the interest costs. So uh, that's the, the mortgage world and a HELOC can look better than a mortgage, but keep going. Where else might be better? It could be that a paper asset can't burn down, can't really be stolen, uh, it's relational, contractual, um, guaranteed, right? You, you do have a contractual right to borrow against it. The, the underlying value is guaranteed by the lender. I mean, all of the uh, growth, the access, the use is on a very tax favorable, sometimes tax free, sometimes tax deferred basis. Um, you know, a lot of advantages. If the question, if the question is, where's the best place to build 
and from which to use capital, if that's the question, then you're going to end up at whole life eventually. It's just going to take different people different amounts of time to get there. But <laughs> that's, where, that's where you're going to go. And that's the, that's the need we're solving. So when compared to what, really, there's not a lot of great comparisons because it's, it, it is a whole life is in a class of its own, especially compared to these other products we've talked about, like universal life. Um, well, anyway. let's, let's great points. And, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Let's talk about a HELOC for a moment okay. because it's, come up and i don't know why it's come up a lot i guess because interest rates are falling mm. right <laughs> mm. have fell uh and then because i see you know i, I see was well, a is a first position heloc better than a second position heloc and and um we've even had a question on this podcast and it's like do y'all have HELOCs on your primary mortgages and <sighs> let me answer that question right now no i do not um, I personally carry a 30-year mortgage, and I refinance that bad boy often as I want because <laughs> my equity should not be in the real estate. And, and if I speak to that for a moment, look. Yeah, lay if, that out again. What? What? <laughs> if the, <laughs> Where are you putting it? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I have several times uh, did a cash-out refi. I know my mortgage is tainted now, right? I'm in Texas. It's reclassified. Um, and look, and, and wait, and who even controls the uh, the tax treatment of interest on these mortgages or these real estate deals? Who controls? Let's think about that for a minute. Who, you know, it ain't me. Yeah, it ain't me either. <laughs> so currently, and I'm not providing tax advice at all. Um, interest on a mortgage is one of the fewest is one of the few deductions that are still remain. Right for now. For now. And, and that's my whole point. When do you think that'll change and how quick? Oh, wait, it's already changing as we speak mm. how these cash-out refis are tax-treated. You know, seek the advice of your CPA. Okay. Let's just talk about this for a moment. Before I get into the HELOC, we're talking about real estate. A HELOC presupposes that I have equity in my primary place of mm-hmm. residence, right? Okay. Um, so what's going up in value? in my home is it the equity that's going up in value or appreciation right what's appreciating my equity or the or the real estate the cost of the real estate the value of the real estate which one is which one of those are appreciating over this three percent over forever time period all right it's the real estate Mm -hmm. now can i separate the real estate from my equity yeah, yeah, I can. And so the HELOC is just another form of leveraging my home. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we get so the HELOC. Recently, you talk about conversations that you've had mm-hmm. quite often, a conversation that I've had. And this happens to be in high-tax state residence, all right, that hates freedom and private <laughs> property. Um, but this particular individual, they the their major asset was their home, just like the average all American. Yeah. The other assets that they have is in qualified retirement plans, just like the average all American family. All right. And so the majority of their net worth, though, was in their home. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now let's say I have a home that's I don't know valued at five hundred thousand. 
I have $250,000 in equity. Mm -hmm. These are my major assets, but I don't have any discipline, so I have a ton of debt. Or I have some discipline and I have no debt. I just don't have a lot of assets that are liquid. Mm -hmm. I have assets that are not liquid, like my home and my qualified account. And now I'm going to go leverage the equity that I do have, the majority of my net worth, I'm going to leverage the major asset that I own through a HELOC because interest rates are so low. And I'm going to get a first position. And I asked this particular individual, I'm like, well, why did you do a first position as opposed to a second position? Well, it's less likely to be callable. Wrong. (laughs) Okay. But my point here is this. The major asset that I have, I'm going to go leverage that through a HELOC and I'm going to take every bit of that liquidity and I'm going to go buy life insurance and get 90% liquid in day one so I can leverage that life insurance policy so I can go buy turnkey real estate. Yeah, so it's forfeiting ultimate control of arguably the most important asset this individual No, we had that conversation of control, and the solution was, well, I'm not going to use all of the line of credit. Oh, I'm not going to so use a just sell limit. three parts of the house, not the whole one. No, maybe I have a two hundred. <laughs> well, if I have two hundred fifty thousand dollars in equity, I'm not going to get a two hundred fifty thousand dollar line of credit per se. No. All right, let's say that I'll get up to two hundred thousand dollars in a line of credit. I'm only going to use a hundred and fifty of that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep that extra fifty, not use it. Mm-hmm. Like that's going to allow me to maintain control. Mm. Anyway. So I hear a lot of that. I see a lot of that. This is several no, conversations yeah. or variations of several conversations that I've had recently. And I'm just saying, who's a rocket scientist that came up with that? <laughs> well, I I mean, I, I get it. People are getting crushed with mortgages, and if they see an amortization table and can read the numbers, it – yeah, who wants any part of that? And so I get that people want to find a, a better solution. It would help, though, to understand the nature of the problem. And the nature <laughs> of the problem is lack of a system in which to build capital and from which you can use it. If that were resolved, and by the way, your parents and your parents' parents and your parents' parent, parents, I mean, go back as far as you want, right? It's all too late. We're all catching up like you've said in the past. Yep. Um, so get to it. <laughs> but that's, that's the, that is the problem. If you solve There's that problem. There's plenty of time, but none to waste. Right. Just I mean, you, you'll ask that question now, like, well, what do I do about X or Y or Z? And if we just treat the symptom rather than cure the disease, then the question's going to arise again. And it's going to keep rising and keep rising. And eventually you're going to get to a point where there is a, a substantial problem where you do need, um, or maybe it's a problem, maybe it's an opportunity where you require substantial access to money. It would be good to have the capital and the capital system in place before you get to that point. Yep, no question. All right. <clears throat> Did I've, we make I've any said, headway here? I've said what I wanted to say. Well, I never say everything I want to say, but I try. I'm just saying. Well, there's only so many hours in the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I had fun. Do you Me have too. anything, Dad? Nope. All good. Thanks for all listening. Right. Have a great day. Be free and independent.
Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Otherwise, find us wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to join us weekly.